Hey everybody, welcome back, and uh, in this episode, fuel systems, steering wheels, camshaft covers, transmission, and maybe a sneak preview on the next project. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, we're back in the mix. Three weeks, I think, have passed. So, yeah, my promise of one a week. Oh, well, out the window, eh? But um, what has been happening in this lovely weather that we have been having in the UK here is uh, a bit of work. So I think from that perspective, I'm uh, making steady and uh, good progress on the 924. So have a little update on that. And um, what I want to also cover is potentially a view of the next project. And would love to hear some of your thoughts and views on that as uh, as I give uh, that info. Because, uh, yeah, it's an interesting market now. It's a very interesting market. There's a whole, whole host of really quite detailed conversations going on around the car market in general, uh, the situation we're in, what does that mean in terms of supply versus demand, and the whole sort of undertone of whether combustion engines, electric, and so on, and the new world of thinking that's uh, upon us has uh, maybe changed course a little bit. Maybe not. I don't know. But um, these are some of the things that I think are quite interesting as uh, as we get to that next project piece. But anyway, update on the car. Where are we? So, the good weather has helped out tremendously in terms of getting time and effort on the motor. So, one of the things that have been troubling me, plaguing me, is the non-starting. The non-starting of the car, which uh, I traced finally... Uh, after having done a first check uh, to the fuel system itself. So we have found that there's an issue. There's no fuel getting into the cylinder. The injectors were bone dry. So we did uh, the tracing back through the system. So that meant injectors through to the fuel mixture system. Funny enough, when you actually look at these these units... So, and you sort of go back to the 80s where these types of units were very, very familiar across a lot of cars. You look at the Porsche 924 and you look at the Ferrari Testarossa units. I would argue they're pretty similar, almost identical. <laughs> so have a, yeah, have a little peek, you know, type in Google Porsche 924 uh, fuel distributor unit. Um, do the same for Ferrari Testarossa and let me know. I think they're... They gotta be similar. Maybe the same supplier, slightly different branding. That's how things work, don't they? But uh, that aside, these units can be a little bit temperamental. So, did a couple of rounds of checks, making sure that each of the connections on top of the unit, which fire off to each of the injectors, are clean, clear, no debris, no unauthorized dirt in the system 
per se and making sure that uh, everything should be flowing as it should be so got through that and that's that unit is connected if if you do a quick google again on on youtube um or even on google search you can uh, get a quick image of this what they call the field distributor unit which is a part of and this sort of comes together very much so uh, with the airflow meter unit so what um what happens depending on whether the car's you know cold starting or hot starting it it changes the uh the way that the operation works to make sure that the engine starts in the most efficient way so on a cold start there's a um there's an injector that goes actually to the air unit um and within the within the airflow meter itself there's a a plate that um rises up and down based on whether it knows it's cold starting and so on so that there uh, i traced is potentially the issue so gave it all a clean up the plate's super clean um it, it's it's moving there's nothing sort of blocking it or or or, or changing it but i think where the issue might lie is on that cold start valve they call it cold start valve but it's actually an injector that is plugged into the inlet uh, manifold or you know at the top just uh, just by the porsche um badge actually on top of the the air inlet manifold itself and the idea being at a cold start it um it fires you know that additional fuel right into uh into the mixture of the air that uh, helps the engine you know start straight off the bat that unit the the cold start valve unit is connected to a thermostat which monitors the temperature of the water and when it or coolant should i say and when it reaches a very um yeah when it when, when it reaches a point in uh, in that temperature remit it tells the cold start valve that that fifth injector to stop firing and we're then working on the four through the unit as it should be um for efficiency reasons and so on. the idea being is that that um this this valve and this setup and this this way of controlling the the initial cold start stops um what used to be a very common thing back in uh, you know 70 days and, and earlier of flooding the engine is a is a term where too much fuel gets thrown in and uh, obviously no ignition can happen with uh, with that happen you know with that that process so that is um that's the final check uh, i think that's where the, the issue is going back from the um distributor uh, fuel distributor unit and airflow meter unit is next on the the line is the fuel filter itself that's all good lines are good no um no craziness there and then further lines back through the car to the first fuel pump it's working it's pumping the pressure seems to be the right pressure and then the secondary uh, pump which sits at the bottom of the tank itself the fuel tank that's all good as well uh, potentially those two i might replace in the future anyway because they are looking pretty old they look like they've done a few rounds in the boxing ring so yeah it would make sense uh for for longer term to get those both changed and uh replace them with new ones so i think that really is where the issue lies with the the fuel and the reason why i know this is because 
if you take off the air filter and you put your hand inside the airflow meter unit and on startup you lift that uh, that plate slightly which is what should happen they basically the engine fires up so it runs so it gets fuel the injectors start working everything goes as it should so something is is not allowing for that that plate to move up and down so redouble uh, checking the the plate itself make sure it's it, it's correctly situated within the the unit itself to make sure that there's no you know glaring gaps or anything like that and if that's all good then it would probably suggest that the yeah the the cold start valve that that fifth one is not operating the way it should be checked all the vacuum as well so there's good vacuum everything's solid no holes so you know it, it, it's sucking the way it should be um yeah so good that that's good so i will keep um you posted on the update on that uh, likewise with the youtube videos as well so you can see some of the steps that i'm going through and actually working through it as well so uh, next on the list, yeah, steering wheel and stalk. So interestingly, the wiper stalk I had on the right-hand side didn't have um, really uh, the, the right connections within the stalk. They had broken. I tried to do a fix with a few bits and pieces, a bit of foil, and it seemed to be okay for a period of time. But the, yeah, the unit itself would randomly set off the wipers. And um, when that happened, then they... They used to basically wipe intermittently and, and wouldn't turn off, so pretty annoying, as you can imagine. And finding, you know, wiper stalks uh, in in a reasonably good condition in brown, because mine has the the brown dash and so on, uh, can be hard to come by. So I sat patiently, waited. Uh, eBay, our friendly uh, shopping uh, outlet for a lot of classic stuff as they come up from uh, maybe spares and brake yards, all of those those good places. Uh, one came up, grabbed it, and decided, yeah, needed to get that, that fitted. So it's a, it's a quick job. It literally is a steering wheel off. There's uh, three plugs at the back of the uh, column itself. You pull three off, uh, three screws, unconnect the, um, the, the couplings around the uh, column itself, and then uh, very gently ease out those uh, those stalks right and left because uh, they are connected together through a clip uh, the left side being where the lights are and right side where the indicators are so uh, sorry left side indicators right side where the wipers are and stuff so yeah the um, that went pretty straightforward and uh, everything is working as it should so that's good um, the other thing I needed to do was actually uh, now that the bottom of the engine is sealed and done, so no oil leaks, I did need to do the the, the engine check on the top. Now, I I've inspected the camshaft. Oh, yeah, I I I think potentially in a year or two, I, I or or early, I I could redo it. Uh, you know, the camshaft and and maybe purchase a new one. There's a little bit of scoring, um, slight flattening on part of the lobes that um, obviously push up and down the, the valve. So it, it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not um, anything that's going to stop the car working <laughs> or anything like that, but it's, um, it, it's visible. So I am 
I'm not going to do the, the head gasket, no need to, because it's all good. Um, there is a slight drop in compression on one of the cylinders, but as uh, as in uh, previous uh, notes, it hasn't been the reason why the car didn't start. So now the fuel has been checked, and that's the reason. The actual cylinders are okay. Uh, slight drop in number four, but that um, could be um, a longer-term project where, yeah, full engine potential overhaul, rebuild... Uh, maybe in a year or two uh, but that 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 would be something much bigger and potentially requiring a workshop in that so yeah I'll, I'll look into that a bit later on but uh, I did need to redo the the cam car excuse me the camshaft cover itself uh, reseal that in with um, with new gaskets that's what I did so um, again video on that just to show the steps I went through cleaning up all the surfaces getting those new gaskets on there's uh, four parts to them, so there's two rubber seals that go either end of the the camshaft it's, itself, and then uh, the usual uh, flat uh, pieces that go along the actual fitting between the cover and the engine. So that all went pretty well, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, the next piece is actually the transmission oil. So it, it I I don't have any records. I mean, the, the car's got a whole book full of uh, receipts. And work that's been done over the years um you know 36 years worth but i can't find anything really recently where it's had any type of transmission fluid change so i i think you know the, the these things are you know when you get to cars of this age there's generally a, a a book of receipts of stuff that people have bought and then done the work themselves which is fine you know as, as long as they um have a you know a good understanding of what it is they're they're doing then you know there's no harm in that it's still history it still shows what's been you know bought and, and fitted so no problems there but i haven't got anything that would suggest that a transmission fluid change has taken place i i think maybe in 10 years it's got to be so i um Got all the kit for that. Obviously, one of the big things with any type of transmission fluid change is to always undo the bolt that you fill up through before you empty it. Because um, otherwise, you're in the nightmare scenario of no <laughs> fluid in the uh, transmission and not being able to then refill it because the other bolt might be uh, stuck. So, yeah, that, that's always a a good bit of advice just to make sure that you undo the one that you're going to fill through you know put the oil into the box through um before you undo and empty the oil so uh just a little bit tip bit there um so i'll get that done and that will that hopefully will mean uh, a much uh quieter smoother gear change and uh noise aspect from the the transmission and that that being said i mean like these cars are extremely analog and mechanical so for for those of you who are very uh um in tune with the sort of more classic cars out there then you know that that's sort of second nature it, you hear the mechanics you hear everything whirling around and that's part of the enjoyment you know you you know things are working the way they should be but um modern cars today a lot of that is completely uh covered up sound deadening and uh even to a point now where we've got stereo systems that play the noise you want it to to play to make your car sound <laughs> the way you want it to sound regardless of engine type so i think um from that perspective uh that's a that's a job that will be will be done uh 
in the next day or two. And then uh, I sort of think from a yeah perspective of the 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 bottom of the car in general it's it's all sort of done um like i say in previous uh videos it's all the suspension the underfloor the bottom of the engine racks yeah suspension arms all, all of it's been done uh brakes so i i really then can um think about getting the car off the stands for the first time in whew, it's got to be got to be sort of six nine plus months it's it's been up on the stands doing all this work so finally get it back down on um its own wheels get everything uh, locked in tapped up done um all the bottoms been refurbished exhausts fitted so yeah there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that now um we can sort of turn the next page on and uh and then just start looking at things once the engine is is running the way it should be with that that final piece that I need to uh, just sort, start turning my attention to the one failure of the MOT, which uh, was the rear fog light, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sticky one because the car has yeah it's it's got its own supplied by factory fog lights on the front and then there's another two additional ones added over time with a separate switch by the gear stick and when i first bought the car the way it used to operate was that um and, it, and i think it was quite a common thing back in the 80s as well is that you turn on the uh headlights to dip when you went to full beam uh you had the rear fog light on that's when it would come on on full beam bizarrely um and i think this one was rechanged to come on with the front fog lights turned on um yeah so there's i need to dig into the 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 electrics basically when i got the car resprayed and the guys did all their bits and pieces at some point the fog light stopped working so yeah and, and uh I, I need to just trace back you know the the units in the back of the car look pretty solid there's no sort of bad connections no corrosion or anything so double check that i've got to follow the wire now down through uh the boot area it goes down the left hand side of the car um down through the uh the door and so on to yeah, the fuse box and then fuse box, excuse me, and then through to yeah, the uh, the switch itself. So I've got to check that out and just make sure that when the guys were putting things back together, I guess on the respray that no wire was uh, accidentally cut, sliced, or, or whatever. So I'll, I'll retrace the steps um, and try and find out why it's not working. That's that's the only thing then that uh, stops the car getting an MOT. Now, ideally, once I've completed that and things start to reopen again and i can get this car in for an mot and we are basically roadworthy again we're back on the road and that's um that's what i wanted for the summer you know we've we've got the potential um gig that's happening i think october november time at goodwood where they show off uh, a bunch of 80s cars that's something i'd love to to get down to and show off the car and there's a bunch of things that a lot of the clubs around uh, sort of classic cars porsche classic uh, clubs do so it'd be great to, to finally get the car out on the road use it and you know show it off a little bit and uh, yeah so very very uh, excited about those next steps the interior itself I've um, 
yeah, I've done a bit of tidying up. The interior is pretty good, except for the seats. Um, the bottom of the seats have they've got slight slight spit in the uh, driving passengers. But I've got a a, a pretty cool little uh, setup in terms of a uh, padded cover that can go over it, and they look they look actually pretty decent. So rather than trying to find the material which I've been told doesn't exist anywhere, uh, I've spoken to a load of interior places um, who say that the beige sort of champagne type color with the porsche emblem on it uh they, they reckon the material sort of disappeared several years ago so hey if that's the case then you know rather than re um upholstering everything in a in a new sort of color i'm just gonna i'm gonna just leave it as is and just pop a cover over the uh the bottom of the seat because it, it's not that bad but um just keeps it uh yeah keeps it a bit more uh neater i guess and uh easy on the eye easy on the eye so um yeah so that would that would be probably the next few bits and pieces that i do it started making me really actually think about what could be the next project and i'm uh i'm actually um really surprised by how the market has changed around not just i think classic cars in general but in particular the porsche classic cars so I think any of the front-engined Porsches that they, they suddenly seem to have found their, I don't know, sort of their, their sweet spot. If it, it wasn't, you know, I got mine three, four years ago now, and you could you could generally pick up quite a few different ones at a reasonably good price that um, needed a bit of work, you know, needed a bit of TLC to get them back to sort of their their former glory. And in that sort of three or four year period, I've um, realized that there's there's sort of this bubble that's that's emerged. And if you go on to eBay, if you go on to sort of uh, any of the, the type classics sort of car sites and stuff and, you know, look for a 968 sort of left a number of years ago, they sort of shot up in price. 944s now have followed and the 924 seems to be getting its... Uh, it's limelight, amazingly. And, uh, you know, you, you look at um, some of the more sought-after models, I, I, I guess, like, you know, turbos and some of the Le Mans special editions, you, you're over 20 grand with these. It's it's pretty uh, pretty impressive that the uh, the car's finally got its, uh, yeah, its, its spotlight. And uh, that has meant that, you know, trying to find any sort of front engine Porsche uh, at a reasonable price that you can sort of get stuck into and, and you know, create a bit of uh, energy around, bit of TLC, bring it back to former glory, um, have either had it done, you know, they've gone through that process, or there are some that are, you know, running in generally, you know, good good condition that, are demanding pretty decent prices so the, the, there's not the the cheap quick find that you can go right i'll, I'll spend the next year on this and, and and maybe you know there's a there's a bit of money to be made um that that's always a, a nice thing but you know a lot of people are quite passionate about bringing these things back to to life and keeping them on the road i mean it, it you go certainly from the uk how many are left is quite an interesting site you know how accurate it is i i'm not sure but it, it gives you sort of fair fair numbers and 
you know, when you're talking about Porsche 924 turbos, it's like under under 100, I believe, that are left. And the 924s themselves, it's, you know, five, 600 maybe that are left uh, in circulation. So I think um, finding those, those ones that have uh, been hidden from the world that might uh, go at a, a pretty low cost are, you know, very far and few between. So the next project I really... Uh, was hoping and looking for depending if the the right thing comes up was potentially a 944 um really sort of fancy getting stuck into something with a slightly larger engine more of the updated uh, stuff that Porsche did on uh the 944 from the 924 and so on so that could be that could be an option um but equally I'm quite keen on any sort of the 80s cars um for those of you sort of <laughs> were around uh, thinking about those cars of those times, you know, posters on the walls and stuff, you know, the, the 80s cars have really enjoyed a uplift in in recent years uh, gone. So I think, you know, the fast forwards of the time, all of those, again, are, are sort of shot up, whether it's the XR2s, the RS Turbos, obviously the Cosworths have gone stratospheric and stuff so it, it it's interesting to see what might might tickle the fancy um but yeah let, let me know your comments on that actually you know whether it's whether it's on the podcast or actually on the uh the youtube channel that um that i run uh witty 924 just bang it into google it's there you guys can uh you know it's pretty easy to find and uh yeah leave some comments because uh i'd be quite interested to see what might you know arrive as the next project but anyway, I think um, that's it for now. I've um, got what looks like another weekend ahead of good weather, which I can get through the final bits as uh, we discussed on the outside, get the car back down on its wheels and get this thing on the road. Yes, can't wait. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, following along uh, on this journey of the 924 with me. And uh Please uh, leave comments, follow uh, on YouTube, Instagram and here. And yeah, I will be back, I promise, within the next two weeks for an update. Thanks for listening.